0: And now from Cigar Dojo Studio, Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Raz and Randy Griggs.
1: And the Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode of Flavour Odyssey. I'm your host, Robbie Raz. Co-host Randy Griggs is on assignment this week. Uh, He is in an undisclosed location. Uh, We cannot tell you where he is, what he's working on. And it's not just for his safety; it's for yours as well. Um, so we are, uh, so we are. Roll, I'm rolling uh, solo-ish from lot B minus out here in unseasonably, boys, unseasonably warm California. It's like 97 degrees today. And Eric, I know you love that stuff, but I'm just not into it, man. Dude, I'm not into it at
2: all. I would trade you positions in a heartbeat because actually today in Colorado it was it was super warm, and we were loving it. And then about I don't know, Jordan. What, what Ten minutes it, ago, it was like a half hour ago. Just all of a sudden, just whoosh! Like the cold came in, and you could tell right away that uh, things are changing here in old Colorado.
1: It's uh, it's going to start snowing before you know it. it you will. go from what? What was you guys had what eighty degrees and then snow the next day? That happened before, didn't it? That happens all the time here. That
2: in Colorado. was like a, like uh, a yeah. month ago. We got our ah, first snow. That's, that's, right? yeah, that's yeah, it crazy. Was crazy. But you know, the, the good news is, the good news is. Uh relatively speaking, it's been a very pleasant fall so far, right, Jordan? I mean, we've had some oh, it's been some days been we could great. hang outside, you know, and usually a like smoky, late September. But, it starts um. to get kind of dicey about that kind of stuff. So so this fall has been decent, other than that one snowfall. Yeah.
1: Nice. Nice. So we've got uh we've got some interesting pair an interesting pairing going today. I love the fact that this this week we're not splitting screens, so you can see. That I haven't cleaned up this workstation back here, <laughs> and this is uh, there's a hammer back there.
0: Robbie, what do you do on that? Be it.
2: honest, what do you do on that workstation? Give us give us an idea of the projects that 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 go uh, down uh, on that famous workstation. I do an awful
1: lot of uh, whittling and woodworking, and uh, whittling I, do? I, I, I do I I do I do whittle uh, occasionally. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what that just means. a whittle. No, no I, I I use. The one thing I do use is the power strip. I plug things in there. Oh. That definitely happens. This High here tech. is my keyser my So there's beer in here that I've made and, and cider that Dana made. I use that. Um, but the rest of that stuff, I don't even know where that came from. It's mm. been here since we moved.
0: We there. need to get you about, like, six more dojo banners, and you can just have that just cover the entire garage.
1: <laughs> it's, it's funny. I almost switched because the sun was doing that thing where it was shining right on my face, uh, but it has since moved, so I didn't. But I was going to move the banner over here, and it actually might it might actually look better if I did that. But then you'd see all the boxes and stuff in my garage.
2: So. I like the banner; <laughs> it just says Guard Dojo.
1: Guard yeah. Dojo. It's cool. It's uh, it. Well, it does. Yeah, it's... I totally cut that off, didn't I? <laughs> that's the only <laughs> works. <laughs> you know, it, hey, it's we don't call it lot B minus for nothing.
2: <laughs> hey, for man, that. at this point, you are lot B, baby, full on.
1: Full on today, anyway. So we've got Cuban cigars and Oktoberfest beers. We are about as international as it gets. Um, Why don't you tell me what you guys are smoking, and and what you're drinking, and then we'll get started talking about the pairings a little bit. All right,
2: that's a good idea. Yeah, let's get into that. So, so I lit up right off the bat this uh, Cuban, Cuban uh, H Upman. It appears to just be. Oh, I thought we were smoking the same cigar. No, No, it appears to be just the standard H Upman. And um, isn't that a connoisseur B? Looks like. I don't know. Doesn't. Oh yeah, it's a connoisseur A. Connoisseur A. Connoisseur oh. A. Does, is that, is that significant to you, Jordan? It's not significant to me whatsoever. It's <laughs> some sort
0: of a uh, offshoot limited. I don't think it's too limited, but.
2: Well, I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna say I'm tempted to put it down and fire something else up because. Right now, this tastes like a wet sock. <laughs> oh, you already got it going. I got it going, and it tastes like a wet sock. Anyways, I don't want to give away too much what I think <laughs> of it quite yet, and I may switch to what Jordan's smoking now, Ramon Ayones.
0: Just a standard Ramon Ayones.
2: Robusto. So I, I could switch to that. Uh, as far as beers that me and Jordan are going to go for tonight, um, we're going to go with this Prost Dunkel. Now, if any of you are familiar with Colorado, this is a local brewery, and they specialize in German beers. That's, like, all they do. It's, it's a pretty cool
0: brewery. They have, yeah. you know, it's very German style, these long tables and just Germany-looking things hanging around.
2: So, so let's <laughs> open this up. And I'm going to pour. I've never had this beer. I'll pour it right now, and then we will see what it looks like. All right. So She's dark. It's dark. Yeah, it's going to be on the darker side. Now, um, now Robbie, you were saying dunkel means.
1: Uh, yeah, dunkel is actually uh, in is the German word for dark. So it's a uh, it, dunkel is and Randy could talk you know dunkle.
0: for That's hours I say.
1: about this. It, it's, it's close. It's very close. of correct than I am, but
0: uh, yeah, dunkel. Yeah. So it's
1: it's a it's a logger. It's a dark logger. Um it looks like a stout, not a stout. Should have uh some kind of caramel notes in it. Um very it'll still be on the refreshing side, it is a lager, so it's still gonna be a little bit crisp. But uh, bottom fermenting lager, in fact. Randy's not here to contradict that. So we
0: can see it, it happens, it exists. <laughs> it does.
1: In fact, when I did a quick little Google search, because when you guys told me you were drinking a dunkel, I said, well, Let me make sure that I've got all the correct information. And this is actually from craftbeer.com, which sounds like a very reputable uh, situation they've got going on over there at craftbeer.com. The German-style Dunkel is a bottom-fermented lager-style beer. That's the first sentence.
2: Okay. So it's got to be
1: legit.
0: Yeah. And
1: and Randy's point about, you know, they, they don't stay at the bottom. I mean, yeast, when yeast is active, it's all through the whole it's through the whole thing. Um, but they, they really, there really is a difference
0: between the two, even though Randy insists that. that, So he doesn't think that there's top fermenting or bottom fermenting, right? Or is that what you're saying?
1: Something to that, something to that effect. He says, you know, the yeast is always moving throughout. So to call it top fermenting and bottom fermenting, it's an, it really, and he says it's an antiquated phrase. And I agree. I mean, now that we can see what's happening, actually see what's happening in there with microscopes and stuff, like really small little particles moving around doing their thing. Um, the, ferment, the fermentation happens
0: everywhere. It doesn't just happen at the bottom. It doesn't just happen at the top. But we're not but. scientists. We just, you know, it looks like it's fermenting at the bottom. That's, mm-hmm. you know. That's and that's what they tell us. So to we describe
2: gotta, it. We got to go with that. Now,
0: uh, you, Robbie, you've been to actual Oktoberfest, right? I have. And I have. So this I have. Dunkel, my, they would serve something like this there, right? It's not just the Marzen? You know, at Oktoberfest...
1: They were just serving kind of basic lagers uh, from, uh, from each brewery at the actual Oktoberfest, the day that we were there anyway. I don't know if that changes. Um, and, and Dana and I were getting into arguments, and she's like, this doesn't taste like Octo- their Oktoberfest beers. This tastes, you know, it's a, it's a lot thinner. It's not as dark. So here's the I'm, – I'm drinking two different beers. This is the Hacker Shore Oktoberfest, and this is the – Uh, The Hofbrau Oktoberfest. Now, these are both uh, German breweries. But as you can see, the Hofbrau is much lighter in color. Same style. They're both uh, Oktoberfest. uh, Well, Hofbrau calls it Oktoberfest beer. Hacker Shore uh, calls it Oktoberfest Marzen. So maybe they are slightly different in style. But everything that we had when we were actually in Oktoberfest and drinking out of the Liedersteins um, and eating half chickens and doing all that fun stuff, uh, it was all just kind of a standard lager.
0: Now, uh, if Randy was here, he would be able to answer this with ease. But Kevin's wondering just what is a Marzen beer. I don't know if you know too much about the the history. Can you pull out a textbook or something?
1: (laughs) Well, you'd think that I totally would have done that. Um, Oh, actually, Marzen versus Dunkel was the first thing that popped up there. Um, So uh, it's Marzen. They use it's it's uh, it's malt forward beer. So all these are kind of malt forward beers because none of them are hoppy, right? They use hops, but it's it's used more. Um, it's not used in the same way as like a hoppy beer in the United States. Uh, <clears throat> so they have, uh, it's clean. There's a little bit of hot bitterness, but it's it's uh, got toasted bread notes, biscuity kind of notes, uh, flavor to it, and a little bit of kind of a caramel sweetness to it. Randy would say that it's more malty than sweet, and he's absolutely correct. But malty, I think for a lot of people when they're drinking a beer especially like a marzen style like this or that Dunkel that you guys are drinking the maltiness plays up as sweetness on your palate uh at least it does for me and i think that's how most people recognize it to call it mal- to say that it has a multi-flavor and not a sweet flavor is also correct but uh to me i it just it registers in my brain as as a sweetness so it is a, lo- <clears throat> excuse me it is a lager it's um uh, malt forward, biscuity notes that you're going to get, not quite as uh, crisp and clean as uh, like a pilsner, for example, um, but uh, still checking in at about you know between five and six percent ABV, and super super drinkable, uh, super approachable. Marzen is a really good style of beer. I've, it's especially for for this time of year when it's still kind of warm out um, and kind of transitioning into multi beer season. That's where for me. Uh, Oktoberfest kicks off multi-beer season for me, and that's when we start getting into the things like the Dunkles uh, and Stouts and Porters and stuff, and that's where it gets fun for me.
2: Alright, so like you, Robbie, we also are going to go with two beers tonight, and our second one is from a brewery out of Longmont, Colorado, called Wibby Brewing, and it's called Whib- Whib-toberfest. Whib-toberfest, yeah. It, it is a Oktoberfest lager, so let's Let's open this bad boy and see. Hopefully, there's a the color difference
0: in color yeah. here. That's right gonna right? be much, much lighter. All right, let's, <coughs> let's pour this. So nice glassware. The flavor Odyssey glass. That's oh. Actually, it's oh, pretty dark that's too. Still pretty
2: dark. Wow. Dang. A little bit darker than I. So it's
1: it's on the the Marsan side of things. So it's gonna check in pretty similar uh, to the
0: to the Hacker Shore. You that can I'm you show them before. next to each other?
2: Yes, I will show them next to one <clears> another. So uh, this guy here. Oh yeah, that's still it, a difference. Is huh? the dunkle? And it's not great lighting on these, but and of course here's the wibby the Wibby here, whiptoberfest. So they're both dark. Let
1: me try
0: from my angle.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's that's probably a better uh, a better view of the of the actual color of the liquid.
0: Yeah, that um, the sensei's got the, so many effects on his camera, you can't even. The,
1: the the soft lens and all that stuff. yeah, oh, yeah. God, the talent sometimes they just get so picky. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, Robbie, what made you select for this wild card edition the pairing tonight? We're going Cuban cigars with Oktoberfest beers. Is it was it just like the time of year? There's a little more to it than that though, right? Like we picked Cubans cuz they were kind of a good lead off and not lead off lead an ending a, a parenthesis to their your Habano journey that you took.
1: Yeah, that was, that was kind of the, uh, the idea. We, <clears throat> um, it's like you're interviewing me. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the, the end of, uh, when we, when we ended the Habano season, um, or a section of the season, I should say, uh, we, we, we do these wildcard episodes and Randy and I are kind of going back and forth and somebody brought up, uh, Cubans. And I thought, you know, we never talk about Cuban cigars. I don't know a whole lot about Cuban cigars. I don't smoke them very often. Um, I'm, I don't, I know there's a lot of people out there who love them and chase them down and want to get all the different regional releases and all that stuff. I've never gone down that rabbit hole really. Um, but I liked the idea because it was a little bit different and <clears throat> who knows, I think this is one of the few chances we have to, to dig through the humidor and see what kind of uh, Cubans you got floating around and, uh, and, and give one, uh, give one a try and talk about it on the show. Cause like I said, we never really do. Um, and we, went, we toyed around with rum and uh, some different things. Uh, I felt like if we were going to do Cuban cigars, we should do Cuban rum too. And I, I I don't have enough to share with Randy, and I don't think he has any Cuban rum. So, um, <clears throat> And I think like, we all would have ended up drinking the same Cuban rum, because I think we all have that same uh, that Havana Club, uh, Añejo 7 or whatever it is. Um, it's kind of the standard one, with the black label on it. Um, so I just figured, what the hell, let's do Oktoberfest, because we were – Initially, we were going to go right around Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest ends the first Saturday in uh, October um, in Munich, but <clears throat> kind of goes all through October everywhere else in the world. So uh, we may be a little bit late, but so Who what? Guess. They're good beers. So they're good it's beers It's Yeah, they're good beers, and they pair really well with uh, a lot of different styles of cigars. So that's why we were kind of non-specific about saying Cubans. And I just went, uh, I don't even think I've pointed this out yet, I went with just the the classic, uh, the Monty Number no. Two. Nice. Um, this is maybe one of the most well known cigars in the world. That's got to be the most
0: well known cigar.
1: Yeah, ever. it's it's up there. Um, I mean, these are the types of things that, when you go to like celebrity poker games or something that's like a private game, this is what they're smoking because. Frankly, they just don't know anything about cigars, <laughs> but it's, but it's got that cachet to it. And don't get me wrong. This is a phenomenal cigar. It really is. It's, uh, it, I think the American palate has changed so much over the years that this checks in at like
0: mild for me. No, that, get out of here. It,
1: yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not overpowering in flavor because I think my palate's just gotten so used to smoking heavier cigars. This is not a heavy cigar at all. I mean, this could be you could smoke this first thing in the morning. A cup of coffee on an empty stomach and be totally
2: fine. It's at a least def- milky milky chocolate. That's the way I always think of it. Definitely heavier
0: so than the other Cubans. But yeah, you're you're right. It's probably it's probably medium minus for me.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, maybe to say to say call it mild across the board is is a bit much. It's not mild in flavor. It's uh, it's got kind of a, a medium plus flavor to it. it milk chocolate is a, a big component. There's Uh, As you said there, uh, Eric, I I get some some cedar notes from it as well. And um, a very, very mild white pepper on the retro, which is which is actually really, really pleasing. It's a great cigar. Do not get me wrong. I I was worried that if we went with straight rum, that we would overpower it Mm. myself. That's because I knew I was going to smoke this. So I I figured that uh, I want to get something. I want to at least try to set up the pairing to succeed for myself. If Randy's isn't good, that's his problem.
0: But it at least seems mine uh, it seems like a pretty good pairing, right? Just with the first couple puffs, a couple drinks.
2: Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in my cigar. Ooh. Oh, cigar. Uh, in my cigar. The the it, like I said, it's just a, you know, like a lot of Cubans sort of have that kind of wet concrete you like know, like musty
0: kind of Yeah, well they Must. definitely they definitely have that there's that, musk, that musk musk and wet concrete.
2: But there's also this sort of like yeah, <laughs> like wet rain on a fresh concrete kind of thing going on with a lot of Cubans. And this one, this particular one that I'm smoking, has maybe a little too much of that. So I don't know. I'm gonna see how it develops. Like it's already gotten a little bit better. So that's positive. But um so you know like I, I wanted to talk just a little bit about the whole Cuban thing because It seems like, guys, like there's so many stages to a cigar smoker's journey. And Cubans obviously play a role in that. And it's kind of like, you know, like when you first get into cigars, you're like, you just want to have the Cuban, the real Cuban. And then you get it, and you're like, oh, this is the greatest cigar in the world. And then, like, after a while, you start to find, like, you know, really good, like Dominican cigars and really good Nicaraguan cigars and Honduran cigars. And then, like, the Cubans kind of go by the wayside for a while, and then you realize that they're not all they're cracked up to be. But then, like, in time, you come kind of back around to them, and you find really good Cubans, because Cubans can be so inconsistent. Like, you can have a Cuban that is the greatest cigar you've ever smoked, and you can have a Cuban that's, like, the worst cigar you've ever smoked. So you kind of come around again. You know, take, like, a second run at it, and you find some really good ones, and then you kind of get back on that track again. And then you realize that, that maybe they are overrated, like... I don't know did you guys go through that same sort of sort of like trail in your you know cigar smoking evolution or is that just me or what It
0: goes like this well, I'll, I it's pretty much what you just said but I'll add one on to the beginning the first cuban you ever smoke that's what you're gearing up for everything's gearing up for that first cuban and then you smoke it and you you say oh man this is crazy but inside you think what this is just <laughs> just, just <a> cigar. <laughs> it's like
1: you're you're all excited and you tell everybody it's great, but inside you're like, I don't really get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. and then you get you into to admit it. other stuff, it's realize funny. what cigars are all about, come back to the Cuban, start to appreciate the Cuban. Then you say, I, then now you're now you're at the point where you are like, well, it's a toss up. I, I buy this box of cigars; it's either going to be the best thing I've ever smoked or the worst. So let's do it.
1: <laughs> That's funny. I'd never thought about it that way. And I've never really verb- heard anybody verbalize that thought process that I know all of us have had, where it's like, oh, everybody says this thing's great. And I'm trying it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. And in my head, I'm like, I don't really get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not really feeling this. And but you don't want to admit it because you don't want to sound stupid. But and then oh, yeah, go, so you go. just kind of go with the flow. Right. And then later. So that, yeah. And then you just kind of get away from it. I think that's that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good uh, analogy there. I think for me, w- with Cubans, I had smoked a couple. And, you know, you get your hands on them through trades and, and whatever with other guys. So who knows if they're legit or not? I mean, you, real or fake, you know, those are uh, mold or plume, real or flake, those are fake, those are uh, the best posts on Facebook. But um, when uh, we went to, my wife and I, when we got married, on our honeymoon, we went to, uh, uh, oh, crap, where did we go? <laughs> uh, we, went to, uh, we went to Paris, but before Paris we went to Madrid, and uh, I remember I found this, I really wanted to find a cigar shop in Madrid, and I found one, I don't remember, like, I think it was our bartender that told us about it, and I go in there, and this place was like Cuban cigar heaven, I don't know, if, if, it must have been a Habanos uh, shop, I don't know what it was, I don't remember what it was, I have pictures somewhere. And I'm looking at all these cigars and like all these Cohibas and all these Monte Cristos and so I bought uh, Cohiba Siglo Five I think and they were in tubos and I bought of course I got the tubos for no real reason other than it seemed like right yeah it seemed like the right thing to do and then I got uh, two uh, of the Partagas Series D number four which Mm -hmm. is kind of another quintessential one again in the tubos. And to two, uh Monty number 2. So that was, and I ended up spending like, that was like 100 euro or something for, for six cigars. But, um, and I remember that day, I had all my, I had my lighter, my cutter with me and everything. We were going to go to this park and I was going to smoke one of the, uh, one of the Cohibas. I was so excited because I'd never had a Cohiba before. And I opened up the Tubo and it was moldy.
0: They, they're always... If any I cigar is moldy in my humidor, it's always a tube. It's a, a
1: it Always. And I'm sure there's a reason for that, uh, that I can't speak intelligently about. But I opened that up. I was so disappointed. And then I, opened, I was like, okay, well, good thing I got two. Other one, molded. Ugh. So the rule is, if you ever buy a cigar in a tubo, open it. In open the store. First. Right, yeah, right, right, before right. You, before you buy it. Um, the, the others were not moldy, and I smoked them, and they were great. I, I remember I smoked the first time I smoked the, uh, the Partagas was in that uh, there's like a park in front of the Louvre in Paris, which we were staying right next to it. And I was walking to that park and smoking that cigar. It was like the best cigar I ever smoked mm. because it was just so cool. Like I'm smoking it was like a Cuban I'm in front of the freaking Louvre. I'm on. I've never been in a foreign country before. There was a whole lot of firsts for me on that trip. So it was uh, it was and that moment was very, very cool. I've smoked them since and they're OK. But that one was great. You can't beat that one.
0: Uh, there's something cool about it. with Cubans. You they you know what they taste like. You can taste them blind, out of you know every single time. You're, you're you can pinpoint that flavor like no other. You can taste a Nicaraguan Piro. You know you might get good at tasting these puros, but a Cuban one is so incredibly distinct. And that might be because we smoke so much of all the other ingredients and everything we smoke. Whether it's a Nicaraguan Piro or not, it might be a Nicaraguan heavy blend that has, you know, it's always going to have Dominican and Honduran stuff in it. So we're always tasting all the countries all the time, except for this other ingredient. And when you taste it as a Piro every single time, it's very distinct.
2: That's true. Well, that's the same kind of thing with a Dominican Piro. Like, you know, that those are typically easier to tell what they are, and... And then even like a Nicaraguan Puro, you know, with the pepper, you can kind of taste that. No, you can you can get them, I'm just saying. But I, but Nothing no, like no, a Cuban. No, you're right in the the sense that most cigars that we have have such a varying, you know, fillers and stuff, so you don't get that distinct flavor. Cubans do have the most distinct flavor of them all, and maybe that's because of what you're saying, Jordan, is we're just so used to, you know, a mixed...
0: Uh, We're always getting a little of everything, except for this one thing. Right, and here's an, here's
2: another aspect to that is like if you take like Nicaraguan tobacco, like you know the tobacco from Esteli is so different from Jalapa, and so th- but like it seems like Cuban tobacco isn't as much like that. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I I'm not an expert on Cuban tobacco, but it seems like it all has a similar musty kind of flavor to it, whereas. You know, you get that sweetness from Jalapa, and you get that pepper from Esteli. They're so different, even though they're both Nicaraguan.
0: Right. We might just not be in tune to the the various regions that they have, because we don't do, smoke them enough. But
1: yeah, I think it, I think you're both right. Um, but I, I also think, and this is just from my experience, and a grin. My experience with the Cubans is pretty limited. There's there's a uh, there's like a level of sophistication that comes from these other countries where the growing regions are so specific, kind of like what Eric was just saying, or, or uh, I think Eric said that, somebody said that. Uh, like when you get tobacco from Jalapa, you are gonna taste that certain aspect of it. And when you get tobacco from Esteli, you, kind of, you can kind of say that this tastes an awful lot like Esteli. But again, I think Jordan, you're onto something because we smoke that stuff more often. Um, but I wonder if there's just a different level of sophistication in other countries.
0: Right. As far as growing. It. Another thing I don't with know, that's just a thought. Cubans is and this could be from the same reasons that we've already stated, but like with with non Cubans I can I have a really easy time, you know, pinpointing specific flavor notes. Whereas Cubans, they kinda it kinda just hits the whole palate at once. And sometimes you have to like you smoke through a, a full third before you can be like, okay, like honing in on the individual flavors.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's the same kind of deal, like like, you don't exercise that muscle enough. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, with... I don't want to go too far with that now. Hey! <laughs> but, <laughs> Whoa, hey, ho. Hey, ho. Family show. Uh, but, uh, with yeah, with, with Nicaraguan tobacco, or, and for me, to a lesser extent, like, uh, Dominican tobacco, you can taste the different regions, and you can... There's different things that you're expecting. With with Cubans, like with this particular Monte Number no. 2, I've smoked several of these. Uh, this box was from 2018, um, I think I only have like three or four of them left. Uh, but it, uh, I'm expecting a little bit of that milk chocolatey kind of note. There's that little mustiness, for lack of a better term. Um, I'm getting a, a lot of kind of a mineral, uh, mm-hmm. minerality out of this, uh, mainly on like the finish. It kind of settles on the tongue a little bit, um, which uh, I'm not really used to. So I wonder if uh, maybe I'm smoking it a little hot. And that's why I'm tasting that. But it's still, it's a very, very good cigar. Uh, I've just never, I've just never gone down that rabbit hole. And yeah, I know that doesn't really make for good radio to be talking about. The, <laughs> hey, let's, let's focus on the cigar that none of us really care about. But that's, uh, that's not really the case. I think it's just the, the level of access. If I had more access and I didn't have to jump through a bunch of hoops to get them, sure, I'd have more. Of course. You know what I mean?
2: Now, if you guys are on Facebook watching, uh, post the, the, the best what you guys think to be the best like Cuban cigar is. in my opinion, I'm not going to say that this is the best Cuban cigar that I've ever had because I've I, like one time i, I have, I've had a couple diplomaticos that I thought were really, really good. but I, I just want to know like the, the most consistently best cigar. To me, there's there's sort of two and that's the Partagas Serie D number four, but sometimes that has a super, super tough draw but oh. to, so to me the winner would be if i was just going to say like you know what I, if i was going to give a cuban cigar to somebody and i and i had to feel confident that it was going to perform and be pretty good it would be that hoya de monterrey epicure number 2 jordan do, mm-hmm. you, do you agree that that seems to be one of the more consistent like good cuban cigars totally
0: that's that's yeah. the, and i think for me my second would would probably be the ramonones um, but yeah the epicure get out of here.
2: That's a that's a solid cigar. Every time I have one of those, now, I'm, like, somebody, I'm like, okay, yeah, I like this. Every this once in a while,
0: good. you'll get like one of these crazy regionals or you know limited editions that are like this is the best cigar I've ever had. But then there's just so many that like that are just the worst cigar you've ever had that just bounces out.
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> why that's why I don't blame you, Robbie, for not wanting to go down this rabbit hole because it's expensive, it's difficult, and it's so incredibly inconsistent. Like you can go down the rabbit hole and just be. So disappointed for the first, you know, eight feet of that rabbit I'd hole. rather have a pretty good
0: cigar that uh, performs the way mm. I know it's going to perform every single time than, this, mm. than something that's going to wow you every once in a while.
1: Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious. I, I know there's some, some guys and gals out there on the dojo who smoke a ton of Cubans. And I'd be curious what they have to say as far as uh, some of their favorites and, and, like, consistency issues and stuff. Uh, I, when I have an issue with a Cuban, it's a flavor issue it's I, I rarely run into you know plugged uh you know bad draw or you know it won't burn or, or whatever i rarely run into those types of issues like construction issues but i feel like a lot of people do uh, but for me when i have one it just tastes off and when the, when the issue is when that pops up it's just it tastes off it tastes like it's like if you're listening to music underwater but you, so you can kind of only hear bits and pieces of it. You know <laughs> that's it's music. awesome.
2: That is a fantastic wow. analogy,
1: man. Dude, it's, you, that's incredible. <laughs> it's, but like, like you, you know, but you know what I'm saying. Like you could feel the beat, and you know it's music. You can't quite pick out what the song is, and then you come out of the water. You're like, oh yeah, I know that song. Mm. And it's sometimes you get that with these cigars. It's like I'm tasting like. Like the deeper flavors, but like I'm missing the mid range and the tweet and the t- uh, and the mid range and like the high end is is just gone.
2: No, mm. that is exactly uh, that is exactly Robbie. What I'm experiencing with this cigar right now well, is that's such a bummer. I feel like I am underwater trying to listen to, <laughs> you know, like a really great song, and you just go go good You know, you can't quite pick pick it out. But the 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 good thing is is since we've been talking. I was I was tempted to just put this out and move to that Ramo, Ra- Ramon Aonis, but it's gotten better. I mean, now the draw is is kind of I mean, the burn is kind of wonky. The is good. Um there is a like a slit in the side of the wrapper that was there to start with, uh, but it hasn't affected anything so much. It's a nice um, looking cigar. It isn't it, <laughs> it is a nice looking cigar. There's nothing wrong with the look of it or or whatever, but
0: another thing with the cubans is Why can't they just be made at the, just set. This factory makes this cigar. This one makes this cigar. Just specialize your factories in in certain cigars so I know what to get. Then I can know that my monies are always going to taste the way they they should because they always come from the same factory, and the same guy is overseeing every one that comes out of the factory. Is that so hard to do?
2: Well, apparently in a communist country, that is very hard (laughs) to do. So uh, that does not happen, right? And that's definitely one of the drawbacks.
1: God. Yeah, that is, that is a bummer. Um, but the, the, um, that w- what was the one that you just mentioned, the Hoyo de Monterey Epicure number no. 2? That is right. that's, um, that's one that I actually seek out. I never have. I don't have any. But whenever I see them, like, I always try to get as many as I can. Because uh, every time I smoke that cigar, it's really good. I've smoked it. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what, the, what number the, the Churchill is. But the, that particular in the Churchill size is fantastic. And that's like a like a three hour smoke.
2: We had a we had a regional of that one time, and I I think it was the best Cuban I ever I ever smoked. Of of which? Of the Hoya de Monterrey Epicure. It was a regional version, Jordan. I don't even remember that, but it was absolutely phenomenal.
0: Oklahoma, in the
2: uh, words of Juan Cancel, it was fantastic. Oh, cigar.
0: I'm 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 late. Phenomenal. There we go. Phenomenal.
2: <laughs> so all right. So boys, um, let's let's do a little uh, circle back to how we feel like at, at this point. How we feel like this pairing is going. I can tell you right now, Jordan, that this Prost is really really good. Like I think the Prost, Prost is, better. is is a far better, more enjoyable. A, that malty, style more. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more it, like you, you, Robbie. You said it before I even tried it you said i would expect like a malty flavor and that is what i'm getting and the malty flavor on this beer is excellent i i could enjoy this you know not just in october but even november or december i think yeah
0: it's interesting like um the two beers almost have an identical flavor profile um but the what was it the wibbier something like that. Whiptoberfest. Whiptoberfest is it's almost like it's a, on a on a nitro or something. It it's just extremely silky. Whereas the <laughs> prost is a little more got a little more carbonation, a little more body to it, and a little more flavor to it. Uh but uh as going with the cigar, there's so many flavor hooks. There, you know, it's you got toastiness, the carameliness, um and uh even even a little bit of the maltiness, malty sweetness I would say. But um it's a great pairing so far. For now, Rob, you
2: got legit Oktoberfest beers. How 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 are I those? Did. How are yeah. those tasting?
1: Um, very good. They're, they're a little bit different. Um, so I'll just give a brief primer on these. Uh, so in Oktoberfest, in true Oktoberfest in Munich, only six breweries are allowed to uh, pour their beer there, and they all have these big tents. And it's more than just six tents; there's like twenty five tents, but. They're all different sponsors and that kind of thing, but they're only pouring six different uh, breweries. Um, that is, let me make I'm just look at the list here to make sure I don't leave anybody. Uh, Augustiner, <coughs> uh, Augustiner Brau München. So they're in uh, the city of Munich. All of them are in the city of Munich. Um, so Augustiner is one. Uh, Hackershore is one, which is the beer that I have. Uh, Hofbrau is one, which is the other beer that I have. Uh, Lowenbrow. lots of umlauts here, by the way. I love it. Uh, Pauliner is another one, and uh, Spottin Uh, Frenz, Frenzis, uh Franzisconer, that's just how you yes. pronounce it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, uh, they were two separate breweries that uh, that merged. Um, so you could say maybe there's seven breweries there, but it, it's, they're, they're just known as Spottin at this point. Um, <clears throat> so of those, uh, four of them you can get in the States. You can get uh, Augustiner, or no, you can't get Augustiner. You can get the Hackershore, you can get Hofbrau, you can get Polliner and Spotton. Augustiner and Lowenbrau. You, you usually can't find in the States. Uh, unless you go to, um, you're, at, you're at like a German restaurant that, that, uh, that strictly pours German beers. We have one in Albany, and I can't remember the name of this place. But it's, they've got like 40 beers. And half of them are on tap, the other come in bottles. And you can try so many different, german beers that you just don't see anywhere else and i don't know how they get them i mean they don't really distribute a lot of this stuff to the states but somehow these people get them in these different restaurants it's uh, that's a lot of fun if if you like german beer then why wouldn't you like german beer and if you like sausages because that's really what you're going to be eating is sausages uh so hofbrau is the first one uh they've been around since uh 1589 wow they've been around yeah for a while um, and it was founded by Phenomenal. Duke Wilhelm V. Duke, yeah. yeah he uh, he guy. founded the Hofbrau House. And if you want to, go, their their website is actually super informative. Uh, if you have any interest in this, um, so you can check them out. It's just type in Hofbrau, uh, and you'll you'll come Hoffbrau. across it. Hofbrau. Um, Hacker Shore. That's this one here. Um, they've been around since, uh, according to their website. It's hard. It doesn't say on the bottle here, does it? Yeah, 1417. Just, that, that's crazy. 14, 17 sausages for the mouthfeel. Randy's a mouthfeel guy, not me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so Hacker Shore has been around for a minute as well. Uh, very good beer. This one is, the, Hacker Shore is more of a Marzen style. Um, it's bright in the flavor. It's kind of got like a crispness on the tongue. There's a little bit of caramel sweetness uh, from the, the darker malts that they're using in this. Uh, a very, very good beer. Actually getting run over by the cigar a little bit. Oh, um, Hoffbrau, this is their Oktoberfest beer, much lighter in wow, color, very light, um, doesn't have that kind of caramel type of sweetness to it, but it's, it's much more along the lines of a Pilsner. So it's got that kind of, it's a, it's a different kind of malty sweetness. It's not like a caramel. It's, uh, I don't, don't want to say a corn sweetness cause it's not right, but it's something kind of like that, like that, almost like a creamed corn. You get a little bit of that sweetness in there. Um, but on a lighter profile, more crisp beer. And that pairing is actually going really, really well. Um, it's a bit of a palate cleanser, but it's kind of enhancing some of those, uh, some of that sweetness and maltiness on the back end. The the darker Hacker Shore I thought was going to be the better pairing, but uh, I, it's actually getting run over, which is kind of weird.
2: You know, this is interesting. As you were talking, Robbie, it kind of made me think that this pairing is kind of brilliant in a way because we just got t- done talking for 15 minutes about how, you know, Cuban cigars, they have this long long tradition and people really, you know, mm-hmm. want to get a Cuban, but then like other countries, the DR, Honduras, Nicaragua sort of took cigars to a whole new level for the American palate. The same kind of th- thing could be said about beer, right? Like, mm. you know, like when you're drinking domesticated beers, Budweiser and Coors and stuff and you're getting into beers, then all of a sudden maybe you think like, "Oh, German beers, I got to try" the traditional German beer, kind of like a Cuban in a sense. But then America has taken beer and done crazy stuff with it, uh, kind of like Nicaragua has done with cigars, amped it up s- to such a great degree. So on tonight's pairing, we're kind of like, you know, hearkening back to two, you know, like traditional styles of cigars and beer. and And yet this is one of those things where like we're also our palates are also used to this crazy craft beer and now we're kind of going back to like a traditional german beer same with the cigar
1: yeah that's that's actually a really good point i didn't think about that um bill powers said he's he's drinking a, a Bitburger and pairing it with a monte cristo i think Bitburger would be great that's uh more of a crisp uh, lager style as well um i think that would be a nice pairing um uh, but eric that's a really good point man like when we were, when I talk about, I talk about the American palate with cigars and how we want, you know, we're getting used to so much Lajero and all this spice and this depth of flavor. And and we want to kind of be slapped in the face with uh, tobacco leaves, so right. to speak. Uh, that could go down a weird rabbit hole too. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, you, you say the same thing about the American palate for beer. It's, it's, you know, we want it big and bold and barrel aged and and uh you know triple hopped with dry double dry hop triple ipa and it can't just be like uh, personally like my favorite style is just a classic west coast pale ale that flavor profile to me is just so good so crisp so clean nice bitterness to it but those beers don't really sell even though i think they're and lagers too when you get into like a a pilsner style or czech style lagers um Super, super good beers. Really hard to make. You um, on a craft level, you can't really cover up any mistakes in a beer like that. Um, in an IPA, you just throw, throw more hops at it. But that's what people want. They want the extra, the more the the. I, I don't want it to be just dry hopped. I want it to be double dry hopped. And uh, I've th- now there's there's this cryo process with uh, and Ran- I don't know if Randy would freak out about this in a good way or a bad way, but. Um, I- the, the new brewery that I work at called uh, Fieldwork, I just started last week, um, we're releasing a beer coming up that's double dry hopped with uh, hops and with the cryo from these particular hops. And it's basically like they take the – I don't know how they do it. They take all of the, <clears throat> the lupulin, which is these, these little like little balls of oil, basically, that have all the hop oils and flavors and acids in there, and they basically extract that from the hop without having to use any of the, or having any of the plant matter go into your, into your beer. And so it's like super concentrated. It's kind of like what they're doing with marijuana. And, and super That's what concentrated I was going to say. <laughs> it's the same kind of process. Jeez. But now they're doing it with hops. And so you, you get like this, it's kind of gimmicky, but it's also like a super concentrated flavor of that specific hop style. So you don't need to use quite as much. Um but you can also you combine that with the hops where you get like this extra like new flavor from this traditional style, not traditional, but uh like a, a popular style of hop where you can make it taste like almost like something different. It's just kind of crazy with the way that things are, are changing and the things that we're that we're doing. And um the American palate just craves that stuff.
2: Yeah, we no
0: need more. No
2: doubt. And where does it end? I mean, you know, it's the same Doesn't thing with end. it's the same thing with wine and it's the same thing with Even bourbon and the stuff that they do, it just seems like you know that you always need to be advancing. But then, Robbie, you said something interesting in there. Is like, it's it's probably so much harder. Like you take like the Hoya, um, the Hoya de Nicaragua uh, Numero Uno. Like that cigar is that was probably, in my opinion, that would be the hardest type of a cigar to blend really good because it's it's not crazy strong it's not going to blow you away with like Leharo or anything but it just has all those nuances and flavors and you were saying in the beers kind of that same way it's like you could cover stuff up in a stout
0: mm-hmm. you know you
2: could cover stuff up in a big strong maduro but it's tougher to cover stuff up in maybe like a pilsner or a lager or a a lighter cigar with ecuadorian connecticut wrapper or that kind of a thing
1: yeah absolutely i that's i totally agree with that it's, and I'm not, <clears throat> I mean, I make beer, but I'm not a brewer. I, I don't make cigars. I smoke a lot of them, but I don't make them. Um, so I don't really know if it's, if it's easy to make this or to blend easier to blend a, a, a heavy and strong cigar. I would imagine it is, but I don't, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, I know it's hard to blend cigars, <clears throat> but, um, to me, if you're going with, you know. You're using materials that are lending themselves towards a more delicate flavor profile. The more delicate the thing is, the more difficult it is to make um so yeah, I think that that analogy works perfectly, or at least between, at least the, the most the
2: most difficult to make good right yeah to make it to make it well, yeah, right um all right, boys uh I'm getting close to having an opinion on on my pairing um, <laughs> getting close, huh. What do you think? Do do we do it now, Jordan? Is it uh, Robbie? Is it too early? It's or? usually the time where we do it. Yeah. All right, I'm. I'll go first. Um, I'm gonna have to give this a thumbs down. Uh, mainly because of my cigar has been disappointing. I'm trying so hard to like turn it around in my mind and and like it, you know, like. But I feel like I'm forcing myself uh, to like it. I did not like the uh, Whib-Toberfest beer almost at all. I have hardly drank any of it. I love the Prost, so uh, thumbs up to Prost, but for me, it's a, a thumbs down on the pairing for Sensei, for, for Eric here. Uh, I, wish it, I wish it wasn't. I was kind of looking forward to tonight, but I'm going to go thumbs down. Jordan?
0: I love the pairing. Um, the, if, it, if it was the uh, Wibtoberfest it would probably be a thumbs down, but the Prost with the cigar is fantastic. The, the cigar has got... Toasty kind, of toasted bread, a um, little bit of spice, maybe like in the white pepper kind of a range, um, like nutmeg and uh, kind of caramel sweetness, which just goes perfectly with the beer. Um, one of uh, one of my favorites we've done in a little while, I'd say.
2: Wow, I, you you really you really like it.
0: It's just perfect.
2: Okay, wow, that's that's kind of a little bit of a surprise to me. But,
0: but that hinges on the cigar, I think. I mean, like it's just up in the air. If I would have gotten, if I would have gotten a, a one like yours or like at the bad draw or something, it would, you know, gone downhill. But this was this cigar was fantastic.
2: All right, here it goes. This is the man, <laughs> Robbie Raz. Yeah. What do you think,
0: Jordan? It doesn't surprise me that
1: y- you're pairing because because y- you're enjoying that cigar, and I've smoked that cigar before, so I have a, a, an idea of what the flavor profile is. Um, and to know that you're drinking a Dunkel and to know what the, the flavor profile of a Dunkel is, I can imagine that that pairing would be very very good. Um, uh, so we will probably see more Dunkel styles, uh, moving forward, at least, well, we might be getting into wrappers that might be a little too heavy for that, but, um, I would like to, uh, to, to jump into that. Maybe that'll be a wild card episode in the future. Cause Dunkel is a really good style of beer that doesn't get a lot of love. And whenever I see them, I always pick them up because they're so good. And I mean, they're not, they're not overpowering in any way. They're just easy to drink, a lot of flavor, perfect on a fall afternoon, um, and I guess I get romantic about stuff like that, but as far as my pairing goes, I'm going to go thumbs up with really kind of with both of them, because as I've gotten to the midway point of this, uh, of the money number two, the, the hacker shore has become, it's, it's, they, they've evened out a little bit in flavor. And so I'm getting some caramel sweetness on both sides, a very limited,
0: it's a lot of thumb, a very limited, uh, <laughs> I have to do this for myself in a, as a future gesture so that I can remember (laughs) Um,
1: the uh, yeah with that it's getting a little bit of sweetness to come out of the cigar that milk chocolatey uh kind of vibe is is definitely more on the the sweet side as opposed to the chocolate side uh for me in this particular uh in this particular money number two so that hacker shore pairing has gotten better uh the oktoberfest pairing has been good from the start it's it's nothing like super fancy um it's not like, oh, man, this makes this beer the best I've ever had and this cigar the best I've ever had, but they just complement each other really, really nicely. It's uh, uh, Nothing's getting run over. I don't feel like I'm, mis- I'm very familiar with this beer. Um, <clears throat> this is the last one of the six-pack that I bought, uh, so I've, I know what this beer tastes like, and I'm still experiencing it very, very well with this cigar. It's not getting run over at all. Uh, my palate doesn't feel drained with, uh, you know, with too much flavor. Like I could do this say this is a Sunday, you're watching football with your buddies and you're smoking a brisket or something. Like, I could do this pairing two or three times in one day, and I don't feel like my palate would, would be run over at no, all. totally, like I,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, like, I'm, it's going to be just as good on the third one as it is on the first one. And that actually sounds like a pretty fun day. We should do that. <laughs> Probably be easy to pair with
0: some, you know, whatever you're eating as well. Yeah. Do you, Sausages. Do you have a preference Sausages.
2: on the beer the, between the two? Or
0: oh between these two yeah the oktoberfest from
1: uh from hofbräu uh, i'm not sure if i said that uh is definitely um the the better pairing of the two uh they're both good accor at the beginning i, I for whatever reason the, the flavors just weren't jiving i felt like the beer was getting run over uh but as the cigar kind of opened up as it got into the middle that's another thing i feel like cubans you really have to get into the middle of that cigar before you start know what's going on
0: mm-hmm.
1: i mean it's it, it, they they're slow starters they're uh it's like uh like watching like a movie, it's just like a slow burn. It takes a while. to. You, there's a lot of character development, but like at a really low level.
0: Those are the and, good know,
1: you, ones. You get kind of bored, and then something awesome happens, and then you're like, oh, my God, everything was so great. That's, I think that's kind of how Cuban cigars are. They take their time to get started, um, and that flavor really starts to kick in as you get into the middle, of that, uh, that
0: second, third, and, and the midpoint. So, I mean, and I'm then it's gone. Like, you get like ten minutes, and it's like amazing, <laughs> and then, it's, and then it's the like last a, third sucks. <laughs> like
1: like like fruit stripe gum. It's like the fir- the greatest like thirty <laughs> seconds, and then it's gone. You know, now you're said. just chewing on rubber. um Jordan, you're not even old enough to know what fruit stripe gum is, are you?
0: Are we are we talking about the zebra one? Yeah. I mean, oh man, come on. Do they still make that? I don't know. I hope.
1: I've, I haven't had that in a long time. Yeah, you like, pretty much uh, just have
0: to go through the whole pack, just every yeah. <laughs> or like big league ten <laughs> seconds. You know, You're just you tossing like one in there. You know, All right. big, As big, a big uh, side note, I, su- I briefly switched over to a uh, barrel proof bourbon. Whoa, way too much, way <laughs> yeah. too much heat going <laughs> yeah. on there. Yeah. And yeah. contrasted against the beer, I was almost like,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that didn't you didn't think that went well with the cigar? If that would have been a I bourbon mean, pairing, would yeah, you'd want
0: to go with like a yeah a weller. 90 at
1: at, at at most i mean with with uh, at least with the money number two I'll, I'll talk about that um with uh i would think with a i could we could probably do rum with these and not overpower it i mean if you go with something like a, uh like a ronza kappa mm-hmm. it's not uh it's not quite as sweet as like a diplomatico or something like that i think that <clears throat> maybe with some ice in there would be a, a, a good pairing let her, let it water down just a little bit and uh, that pairing would probably go really, really well, which is what we were going to do. And I almost brought some out, but I forgot at the last minute just because I wanted to try that. But I think that would work out well too. I think you definitely go cask strength or, or barrel proof. You're, you're overshooting.
2: Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That, no doubt. Hey, uh, Robbie, um, I got an off topic question for you. Ho, 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 ho. All right. So here's the deal uh, if you guys don't know, if you haven't followed Robbie, he is a horror movie. Buff, loves his horror movies, and it is October, and we're inching ever so close to Halloween. So, so Robbie, my question is a two-fold question. All right? It's a two-fold question. So let me, let me set it up and, and ask it to you, and I, I want to hear your answer. And by the way, if you're watching on Facebook, uh, you can answer as well. I'd be curious to see what you guys think. All right. Uh, out of these three uh, movie franchises, okay? Halloween. Hold on, hold on. Now, this is a two-part question. All right, we've got Halloween, we've got Friday the 13th, and we've got Nightmare Before Christmas. Or no, <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare the third on Elm one. Street. All right, so the two-part <laughs> question is this. Which franchise had the best first movie, the opening movie, the, the first one in the series, and then which franchise was the best just overall like when you take all the sequels into account what do you think
1: it's you know it's funny because uh, the answer that i gave you is the one that i'm not going to pick um i honestly i think of the first movies i think halloween is the best because it kind of launched a genre but if you forced me to choose and i could only watch one it would be nightmare on elm street really the why, first why Night- is that why is that uh, dude, the first Nightmare on Elm Street's so good. It's so good, but it's it's it only exists because we had Halloween to mm. begin with. So there, it's like the the Apple or wait. The, so what's
0: your answer there?
1: No, my answer is, is Nightmare on Elm Street. If I can only pick one, if I have to pick, like, what is my favorite? The first. Uh, I think I think the first one, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, with Johnny Depp and um, he's and well, Johnny Depp is like the only person in there that I can think of, and Heather Johnny Langenkamp that. I think played uh, uh, played Nancy. Um, but, um, the, the original Halloween, I think is a more important film for whatever it's worth. And my favorite franchise is Friday the 13th.
2: Oh, okay. Mm. So you got the, uh, Friday, I'm I'm having a hard time remembering anything about Friday the 13th. Yeah.
1: The, the original one is Kevin Bacon is in it. Um, the original, he's in everything though. The original one, um, Jason wasn't the antagonist. Um, it was his mom. Spoilers.
2: <laughs> and, Jeez, uh, Rob! <laughs> it's like a thirty-year-old I mean, movie or a forty-year-old yeah, movie. I was just gonna think, watch it. Were, okay.
1: The first, the first one is is really good in the sense that it it, it kind of created, uh, uh, it it created a lot of the tropes of of horror movies. Like, certain, like you, you if you if you have sex, you're gonna die. If if you if you drink, you're gonna die. Like if you do all these bad things then you know it's going to be uh, exacted upon you. Um, so uh, from that standpoint, it was good. And it's a very good movie. Uh, it's my least favorite of the three different franchises as far as the first one's concerned. But my favorite Friday the 13th is part two. And that's mm-hmm. where we first meet Jason. But he's got the bag on his head, not the hockey mask. He doesn't get the hockey mask until the third one. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Bombshells. Yeah. And, the thir- and then the fourth one is very good. That's got... Uh, the fourth Corey- one is good? The fourth one's really good that's got cory feldman in it it's uh, and that, be that kicks off another like a kind of a different story arc four five and six uh follow a, a different story arc really jason is involved in two of
0: those um and that's then, where we see the, jason the... in the nude
1: <laughs> no we don't see that he doesn't go to space though. he goes to space which is <laughs> terrible oh my god it's so terrible that it's actually kind of funny. Uh, I speak, we talked about cryo; like they put him into cryo sleep, but kind of on accident, and they wake him up, and it turns into like a, it's almost like Alien, where there's this thing loose on the ship, and it's Jason uh-huh.
0: <laughs> that had just come out, and they're like, "We got yeah. to do that." Yeah,
1: but then uh, part uh, part six was really good. Part seven is really good, um, and then the rest of them are so, so they're
0: terrible. all good. No, no, <laughs> hey, well, no way. Well,
1: Good is a relative term, right? I mean, yeah. where you have to you have to kind of be interested in
0: this, and
1: the the, the effects and stuff were. Yeah. That's what I love about 80s. I, I love that about, kind of stuff. Is the, the practicality, the practical effects were.
0: Like, that... These
1: guys are being asked to do these things that had never been done. Right. And nobody's sitting behind a computer doing it. Like they're making a diff- They're making a, a an extra body for you, and you're laying. You're like standing up, but it makes your head is coming out of that body. And the real body that's in the movie is laying down, so it looks like you're laying down on the floor. Right. I, I, yeah, they just do some really, really cool stuff, and the nostalgia is super high for me.
0: Well, if uh, if if done right, that kind of prosthetic effects hold up longer than CGI. You can see, you'll you'll watch a movie that that the, all the effects were completely CGI'd from five years ago, and it's like, oh. Yeah, God,
1: we've come yeah. so far since then. But you can go back. But and you watch Jurassic Park
0: and, or yeah, you know, one of these from the '80s or '90s, and it holds up. And even Jurassic Park, they did
1: both. I mean, they had. Yeah, CGI. that's that's the best is when so, you can
0: blend the two. Yeah, they also had like the prosthetic,
1: uh, you know, dinosaurs.
2: <laughs> I I really enjoyed the first Halloween. I thought that was a really really good movie. And I haven't seen any of the, like the modern day remakes of that. I, I I don't know if they're good or bad, but I remember the very first Halloween being like an excellent scary movie. The first one's great. <clears throat>
1: the second one picks up right
2: where the first one left off, um,
1: and then they went into Halloween three. Like the original, the idea was these Halloween movies were going to be anthology. It's an anthology series of things that happened on Halloween night. Is is what the whole idea was. But they brought, but Michael Myers was so popular, they brought him back for the second one. And then they make this third one, and he's not in it. And it's about a mask company that makes these masks, and they have this plan to kill all these kids. And it's actually, it's a really good story. The acting is meh, but uh, the, the concept is really cool, but people hated it because it didn't have Michael Myers in it. They had this expectation. Well, oh, the new Halloween movie, and he's not in it. Like, what the hell? So if, if Halloween 3 would have been called anything else, I think it would have been viewed much more positively. And then Halloween just kind of went off the rails. He started to look terrible. Uh, the masks were just awful. They put, like, these fuzzy eyebrows on them. And they just looked, <laughs> yeah. Like, four, five, and six, or whatever the numbers are, were just terrible. Um, then they did one. It was um, Halloween H2O with, I think, uh, Josh Hartnett, I think, is, uh, is in it. Uh, and that one was pretty good. Um, and then they did, and, and uh, LL Cool J's in that too and then they did one, I think Busta Rhymes was in it where it was kind of like a, they, they're all trying to stay in the house I haven't seen that one, but that one's supposed to be okay but the one they came out with in 2018, I thought was great it was, it was really, really well done, I enjoyed it it's kind of polarizing in the horror community some people love it, some people hate it um, but if you haven't watched that one, and you're into this at all uh, you should watch it. It was really good. They've got, uh, and they're going to wrap that up with, they're turning this last one into kind of like a trilogy, I guess. Uh, Halloween kills was supposed to come out this year, but it's going to come out next year. Uh, and then Halloween ends, I think is the last one. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Usually
2: about, about this point, wouldn't they get into the realm of like, you know, like, uh, like baby Jason and and baby Michael Myers, <laughs> you know, like, isn't that yeah, how it, isn't, isn't that how it normally goes? Like eventually they have to go back and like make them like little babies and they fight yeah. each other and stuff. Yeah.
1: They had uh, they had baby Freddie. They had uh, did they? Was, I think it was five was dream child. Yeah.
2: Hey hey hey, Robbie. Has any have have there been any of these where like Jason and Michael Myers fight each other? That kind of a thing. Is there is there a cross? Of course.
1: Is there, there was uh, there was Freddie versus Jason. Ah. And when Dana, when Dana, my wife, and I uh, were first dating, we, we dated back in, uh, in 2003, I think that's when that came out. And uh, I was so excited because at the time, everybody wanted it. Like, nobody was really talking about Michael Myers back then because he was, that, that, that franchise was kind of dying. Like, they, they killed him off and brought him back so many times where it's like, he, he's, he's, actually, he's just a person. That's the difference between him and these other two. He's not supernatural in any way, he's just a person. But, like, they actually cut his head off in one of the, one of the movies. And then bring him back. It's like, well, wait a second. How's that even happened? And, and they said that Jamie Lee Curtis was his sister, but then they said she wasn't. And it was just, it's all over the place. It had no, no, uh, no direction. They, they needed the guy who oversaw all of, uh, the canon. all of the Marvel all the Marvel movies to make sure to, to kind of control the Halloween stuff. Because whoever was doing it before did a terrible job. But they did come out with Freddy versus Jason. And when Dana and I were first dating... I made her watch that with me, and she was so mad because she, first of all, she hated it. But she hates those kind of movies. Now she's kind of used to it, but at the time, uh, it was still kind of new to her. And like the idea of Freddy coming to you in your dreams, like you kind of lose, you don't have any control over that, and that kind of that bugged her a little bit. So she didn't like it very much. But it's it's terrible, but it's kind of fun to watch. There's a lot of fan made movies actually that are um, uh, oddly good or hmm. i've seen uh it's it's only like a maybe a 10 minute movie or something you see it on youtube where it's it's a fight between jason and michael myers and it's pretty good
2: wow hey now i know this year's probably going to be a bad example for this but because of the whole COVID thing and everything but are you typically like a, a big you know halloween guy dress up and go to parties that kind of thing um,
1: Well, we usually host <clears throat> we um would when we lived at the the place before this, we would host a big Halloween party every year. With, um, <clears throat> we would we we'd hire a, a, a bartender to come in and like we'd do it upright. Like we this is the only real thing that we ever did. We would do it upright. We'd make all the like Dana would have me going out getting pallets and we're building stuff in the yard and um, really really got into it. We haven't done that in a few years uh, and we were hoping to do one this year, but obviously that's uh, I do not trick or treat. I I do kind of. <laughs> Like, sometimes, depending on which kids are coming to the door, because we get a lot of trick-or-treaters, like, sometimes I'll put, like, a Freddy glove on, and I use that to open the door and, like, kind of claw the door open and scare the kids a little bit, but they, not the little ones, you know, because uh, that's just mean. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, we, we do, uh, we've got the Halloween decoration section in our garage, which is right above me, is uh the same size as our christmas decorations so if that puts it into perspective.
2: I kind of figured that that Robbie would be that kind of guy. Yeah. And and that's cool. I I'm I, every, we get into it too but I never ever dress up. Like I just don't. I just I just hand out the candy and s- sort of stay back and drink bourbon. That's kind of like my that's my role in it. Now Jordan, you guys yeah. you guys do some good stuff.
0: I get roped into like these family pinterest moments, you know. <laughs> 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 Embrace it, man. That's yeah. great stuff. What
2: are you, you going to be this year, Jordan? Uh,
0: well, our son's really into Scooby-Doo, so we all every, every member of the family is a member of the Scooby-Doo gang, and we have a Great Dane, so our original plan was to, she was going to get, like, you can get, like, spray on hair, hairspray for dogs, but they, like, just, like, spray this entire Great Dane brown. I was like... <laughs> Why are we going to do that? And <laughs> oh. <laughs> it didn't pan out. So now we're just going to put a brown, because he's, he's not a brown Great Dane. He's a Harlequin style. So now we're just going to put a brown shirt on the Great Dane. Close enough. I'm I'm Freddy. Oh. Or is it Fred? I don't know. Fred. Yeah. Wow. Who's, who's Shaggy? You, that, you you strike me as more of a Shaggy. I know. Uh, that's what I said. But my son is the one that's into Scooby-Doo, and he, he wants oh, to he be Shaggy. Well, so, uh, he gets to pick. Yeah, whatever maybe I'll, I'll switch it up at the last moment
2: so what do <laughs> we got coming up uh Robbie on Flavor Odyssey what's what's next week
0: ooh that's a good question we are jumping
1: in to broadleaf
2: yeah that's right big next. Big, big guest uh
1: yes do you uh, know do so saka is going to no. be no no, no nick malilo no Malillo. no saka is uh, is the next one it's uh, nick Melillo, the uh, chief of the broadleaf yeah, indeed. Yeah. Why? Who, who else would we pick? Sorry, I was uh, you had me thinking about horror movies. That's right. I was going to start listing movies for people to watch that maybe you haven't seen um, that are very, very good. But we, we, we switched gears and uh, <laughs> threw me off. Uh, so, yeah, so we've got uh, Sokka next week. Gee, see, I did it again. <laughs> Nick Malillo next week. And I don't even know the cigar that we're smoking off the top of my head. Um, And I don't know the pairing, but Randy and I will get together uh, later this week and we'll get all that to Jordan so you can put it all up, uh, for hopefully for the rest of the season. And that way, uh, everybody can
0: plan accordingly.
1: Go to the schedule
0: page and you'll just be able to plan this whole thing out.
1: Yep. So, yeah, next week, Broadleaf uh, with uh, the one and only Nick Molillo.
0: That's
2: going to be great. What's coming
1: up on... What's coming up on Friday, boys?
2: So Friday is going to be a fun show. We're going to be doing uh, Gen X versus Millennials. Now, it just so happens I'm a Gen Xer, and Jordan is a Millennial. Go figure. Mm-hmm. And Eric Espinosa, he is a Gen Xer like me. And his son, Eric Jr., is a millennial like Jordan. So it's going to be, this is debate season, right? Like uh, presidential debates, vice presidential debates. I have a feeling this is going to be better than any of those. I I pray this will be better than those. But uh, it'll be basically, hey, which is the better generation? Gen X or the millennials? We're going to find out on Friday night. should be kind of a fun, goofy show. So that's Friday night on Smoke Night Live.
1: What's the, the generation that comes in between? I think I'm I'm a tweener. I don't think there I, is one between. I
2: believe those two are butt up next to each other. X, Y. I think,
1: I think I'm a I think I'm a Xennial. A is, is that what it is?
2: Uh it's, oh yeah. No, he's right. There, he's right. He's there's right. There's a
1: very specific Zenial. Group that was we were born analog, but yeah. we kind of but we grew up digital.
0: So they just kind of. they just made up a
2: new generation for well, you guys it's like for some a, reason.
1: Like, it's like a micro generation. Yeah, we're that good. It's it's ni- <laughs> it's
2: nineteen seventy five to nineteen eighty five, and that's the zennial.
1: Yeah, there you go. Oh, so yeah. Yeah, I, I was, uh, yeah, I was yeah I was seventy seven, so I'm i put right, uh, right at the beginning of that. So I remember what it's like to have a rotary phone.
2: <laughs> right, right. I mean, I
1: I could, I could use one if I had
2: to. Uh, I know, me too. I, these guys have never probably ever used one yeah. before. So. Uh, the, the problem with the problem with me and Jordan, Robbie, is Jordan is like a, uh, a he's basically like a seventy year old man. He's like in the greatest generation, even though he's a, he's a millennial. So he's I'm he's going to be a bad ag- you. he's going to be a bad example spirit. of a, of a millennial, that's for sure. So it'll hopefully, hopefully Eric Junior is a better example of a millennial. We'll find out on on Friday night, though. We'll see.
1: That's funny. Um, so just to to comment on the seventy year old thing. I uh, so I, I recently had a birthday in September, and I turned 43 years old. And you know, your family knows you. My sister—I have two sisters, two older sisters. I'm the youngest. Uh, that's probably not a big surprise if you know me at all. Um, my oldest sister got me a bag of bird seed, like the really like high-end bird seed for my bird feeders in the yard. And my uh, other sister got me a, a gift card to Total Wine. <laughs> because, because they know I just want to drink whiskey and watch my bird feeder. Did
0: you say high-end bird seed?
1: Yeah, it's, it's like... Craft. Yeah, it's craft. Like it is, indeed. No, it's like the, the no-mess kind. Like, it, if it gets on the ground, it doesn't sprout up little plants and stuff.
2: It's boutique.
1: It is boutique. It, it's, it's surprisingly <laughs> expensive stuff that I don't always buy. I usually get the cheaper stuff. <laughs> so, I, my, so my birds are getting spoiled
2: uh, this Dang. week. But
1: Yeah, so, so I'm 75. I want to uh, drink whiskey and watch my bird feeder.
2: Well, there's certainly nothing wrong with that.
1: No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good thing. It's, I find it very relaxing. I like doves. When they, the doves come in and they hang out, like they just... I like, when, always,
2: I like when they cry.
1: It, best soundtrack ever. <laughs> Although Coop will tell you it's not a soundtrack, which I don't understand how that's a thing.
0: He's <laughs> got uh, his own and, set of rules. <laughs>
1: he, he does, he does. Uh, anyway. Uh, anyway, that's a little insight into what I do on my weekends. Um, on that note, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Appreciate y'all uh, tuning in to the Odyssey. Uh, we'll be back. Hopefully, Randy will be back with us next week. He will be back from location again. I can't tell you where he is or what he's doing. It's not just for his protection; it is for yours. And because uh, this could be used as evidence someday, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we'll be back next week with Chief of the Broadleaf as the Odyssey continues. <laughs> I'm going to take the first piece of paper. I'm going to take the first piece of paper. I'm going to take the first piece of paper.